Hey, B, question for you. Yeah. You're going to hate me. What? (laughs) Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's Unsportsmanlike Convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Yes, guy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Brock Fleming, from (laughs) the comfort of my home office. And joining me today from the comfort of his home setup is none other than (laughs) P-Dog Pep Cariotti. How you doing, Pep? I'm good, man. How are you doing? That was a great intro. I like that. Uh, Uh, A little WWE style there. Oh. Well, there's a lot of XFL, I guess, that kind of gets me fired up a little bit. Um, we're not getting into XFL today, but uh, I got to say, uh, overall, it's uh, a much better product than what they put on the first go-round. And uh, some of the rules are very exciting and, and interesting to watch. I think uh, the adaption of some of those rules we will see in the near future in terms of the NFL standard. Um, but... Uh, and, you know, some old college names that you, you see out there that are running around or throwing the ball. And uh, it's nice to see guys have a spot to continue to play if it should not work out in the NFL or uh, they don't want to come up in Canada or maybe they don't have a passport. Who knows? At least there's another way for them to uh, to stay on the field and stay active. So, um, you know, kudos. They've been uh, starting the season off, uh, off right and again, much better than the first go around with the XFL. I'm going to reserve my opinion. Uh, until week five or week six right now it's still so early and it is a watered down talent pool a lot of uh nfl players who were released or on practice squads who are now starting for these teams so i want to see how they develop how the league progresses and by week five i think we'll have a better idea it's a 10-week league so uh, we'll we'll see then but so far so good Uh, colors are nice teams teams are well marketed uh you know i I don't really have a lot to say They, they haven't been barn burner games by any means so I haven't really seen any spectacular plays on offense or defense. So I think everyone's just getting comfortable with the league itself and the environment of the stadiums. Some of the stadiums are like soccer stadiums, MLS stadiums. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, You know, I'm impartial right now. I'm like you said, it's a little different from the first go around. It's a little less WWF style and, you know, uh, you know, the half naked cheerleaders and uh, the, the craziness that, Vince McMahon tried to bring in the first go around. It's a little more professional, I'd say, is the word, you know? So Yeah, and on the uh, the note of the uh, cheerleaders, um, for the record, I haven't even watched the full game, so maybe that's part I need to have them back. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've tuned in here and there. I've seen to be dabbling in a, in a few different things. Uh, I watched the Daytona 500 uh, last night. It was on a, a rain... I guess, delay from Sunday. So played on uh, yesterday. So there was nothing to compete with it. No NBA All-Star games. No uh, Sunday night HBO Outsiders or anything like that. So, um, and it was on prime time where, you know, my kids were home and uh, flipped it on. I was explaining it to Jackson who's watching the cars. And I quickly put, you know, some money on a couple of cars just to make it exciting. And uh, by the uh, the final uh, lap, all my cars were out. There was accidents all over the place. <laughs> And, um, you know, ended up being a pretty close finish, but uh, I watched NASCAR. So that's, uh, hey, broadening my horizons. 
Much respect to you, my friend, because I've never watched a second of NASCAR. And uh, I, I, I look to drive that fast in a circle for four hours. You have to have some kind of conditioning. It's it's wild. The uh, stress on the body driving that quickly. But that's really the only way I can appreciate NASCAR. I'm not really into cars per se. I'm not a speed demon in my own life. Um, I, I, yeah, was it entertaining? Uh, it was entertaining. And I was uh, messaging with uh, a friend of ours, Dan Dandaran, who's a big NASCAR fan. And by Is Dan Duran a NASCAR fan, is he now? Well, they have a, fa- a NASCAR fantasy league that they're in. So I think that's what started it. He kind of joined with some buddies who were big NASCAR fans. He's gone down to a couple races. And the atmosphere in the NASCAR is very... Um, uh, I would say it's probably not politically correct, but uh, <laughs> it, it's quite the atmosphere. So they've experienced it, and he kind of fell in love with it. And following with the with the fantasy kind of gives you added incentive to watch. So I was texting with him and asking him questions about it. I'm like, what are these stages, and who sh- who do you think is going to win? So he gave me numbers. That's who I put money on, and uh, it kept me glued. But uh, yeah, there's a few guys that uh, that watch it. And uh, I could see it being entertaining. This, I mean, this was like watching the, in my opinion, the Super Bowl of football. And the Daytona 500 is, I th- in my, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'll correct it on the mistakes next week, but I think it's like the biggest race of the year for NASCAR. So, Well, know. the president flew up to uh, give the old gentleman start your engines. So I guess it's kind of a big deal. But listen, the shake and bake, baby. I'll be John C. <laughs> Riley and you be uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. And that's the... That's all I got. <laughs> Close enough. I want to thank you, sweet baby Jesus, for the <laughs> lovely dinner. <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies, guys. If you haven't seen Talladega Nights, I suggest you rent it right now. Rent That's it? A, can you what? No, you can't rent it, and you can't. Uh, yeah, this is Blockbuster. But our kids were never going to know the struggle it went to from going to Blockbuster or Videotron and Elmer and hiding no. a VHS movie so that it would be available when your parents were home and they could take you up there to rent it. Um, yeah, be kind, rewind. My kids don't even know what rewind is. No. You know what's funny? Somebody even on another sort of a different topic but related to us getting old, <laughs> somebody mentioned, where I was having a conversation, somebody wanted to send me some information today about a program, and I said, uh, email it to me. And, like, I kind of got a glance, like what? E- email, email, what? what well, yeah, email. Old. What else is it? Well, but like, there's te- you know, text. You can attach stuff to text now, and there's the you know, Google sharing docs, Google Docs, or whatever. Mm. I, it, it, th- this person looked at me like I was a dinosaur. I'm like, well, or or or, or I mean, or you could text me. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really what. You ever but get, I guess emailing is just out. Will you ever get somebody who's like our age? And uh, you're like, hey, what's your email address? And like, oh, send it to my personal one. And it's like, cutiepie1976 at hotmail.com or something like that. And everybody's just oh, like, yeah. uh, no, I refuse to send that to a Hotmail account. I got, a, I got an email and a resume once, and I'm not going to say the whole email, but it ended with 69. <laughs> I'm sure there's a <laughs> and, lot uh, new, that Breaking that. news. Um, she wasn't born in 69. So <laughs> oh, it's a girl. <laughs> I was like, what right. in the, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. we're uh, we're getting old. I started rewatching. Uh, we're getting way off topic, but I started rewatching the my favorite show ever on television was Entourage. 
and it's still one of my favorites, probably my favorite. I laugh out loud every single episode. Johnny Drama is by far the funniest character to ever be on television. And I've rewatched it, and it's funny because in season one, you know, it's the old flip bones, the old razors. It's the, you know, the, the pants that are too long that are really baggy. And it's, yeah. you know, com- just complete opposite of what it is today. Anyway, it really is. Using, it wasn't that long ago. No, you know, it's, I think it was, I don't know, maybe 2004 or something in that kind of range. So yeah. anyway, it's just, it's wow. funny and it's scary all at the same time. Um, we are going to be talking today about the uh, Houston Astros and their cheating scandal. Um, and then we'll also talk a little bit about the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, real quick, because we just finished with the XFL or just talked to the XFL. There was a, somebody posted this today and they want to start an extreme baseball league. And the rules, you can use metal bats. There's no drug testing. Pitchers throw from 55 feet. No bunting allowed. Pitchers can use pine tar. Charging the mound is acceptable, and bat flips are encouraged. Would you support that? No. I like the last part, but no. Uh, for the simple reason that unless they want someone to die on the mound, right. I don't recommend it. That's the one where I was like, no, you can't move the pitcher up closer and have an aluminum bat and expect no. people not to die. Yeah. No. There's three or four close calls every year in Major League Baseball. I would not want I would cringe just to watch every at bat so no no i'm not bat flips yes all right so we uh well that's pretty much our uh intro we're gonna get oh, but what? Oh. Well, well there's one me, more Mr. thing Perfect. as we speak i guess i forgot that you never ever make a mistake Preempted. no one is perfect here is what we screwed up i i went oh, we just qu- i went a little quick with the button so we just screwed up that. that well, was, just, we just screwed that up. I just made another uh, mistake. So what did I miss? <laughs> I was just gonna. I didn't realize they were retiring Chris Phillips' jersey tonight. Oh, that's in tonight. a touching tribute to uh, to him. There was all the guys that he played with. Most of the guys, anyway. Uh, Alfredson, Wade Redden gave a really nice talk. Dean Brown was the host. And, you know, they brought Phillips' family on the ice. Um, all the guys were in Patrick Aleem. You could tell you could recognize some of the guys from the team. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, so they, they retired his jersey. It's up in the rafters and uh, no one else will wear number four for for Big Rig, which is actually his nickname. Well, that's good, I think. It's, I think so. Uh, he, he played. He's one of the most entrenched Ottawa senator to come through the system. And, uh, you know, he's. Uh, a pillar in the community. He's got businesses here. He's uh, the little sense program that my kid joined for hockey. He's there with the equipment handout, signing kids jerseys. You know, mm-hmm. he's very active in it. So I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely worthy. 20 years with the same organization. Uh, most games played, you know, a pillar on the defensive end for pretty much his entire career. I don't think he really was ever a six defenseman. I think we even right when he got drafted, he was right up in the top four. So good for him. Good long career and a good Ottawa guy. And congratulations to Chris Phillips. I used to hate him. Well, as a Leafs fan, you're of course, no. but before he even got drafted. Really? Yeah. Because there was a time. So when Hull, the Hull Olympics were going through to the Memorial <laughs> cup. So for those who don't know, the Hull Olympics is a, is a junior team on, in the, the Hull side, the Gatineau side of Ottawa, Udaway. And uh, a lot of these guys went to my high school. 
That's where they went to school while they were playing for Hull. So guys like Colin White, who ended up being a captain for the New Jersey Devils, uh, uh, Jose Theodore, uh, Gordy Dwyer, who's a head coach in AHL, I think right now, or one of the yeah, national teams, uh, Peter Worrell, who had a good stint in the NHL, is one of the toughest guys. Um, you know, we can go on that stuff. But anyway, I got pretty close with some of them, and Peter being one of them. And uh, there was a game where they played against Chris Phillips's team, who was out west. It was one of the west teams. And the mic was on the ice, and Peter was trying to fight Chris. And Chris said something about... I'll buy your contract because Chris had already been drafted and you know uh. pretty high, and he did something. And I thought that was anyway. Being a friend of Peter at the time, I took it, uh, took offense to it, and I was just like, "Who? Sure. You don't say that!" And I was like, "And then you're running away from him." So I was praying that Peter got his hands on him and just beat the snot out of him, but it didn't happen. Uh, Chris ended up being in Ottawa, you know, and uh, I've met him a few times now, and he's he's a very very nice guy. But uh, way back in the day, in my high school days, uh, was not a big fan of him. That's wild. Eh? You know, 17, 18, 19-year-old guys uh, getting their first contracts in the NHL. Sometimes ego gets in the way of, the, of oh, saying yeah. the right thing. And, uh, you know, I cannot, <laughs> cool I story. cannot blame them at this point anyway. Um, all right, so that's a mistake that I made. The other mistake, I guess, the only one we have is that uh, um, we didn't have an episode last week. We uh, completely let the week get away from us and did not get an episode out. So that is our biggest mistake to date. So we apologize, but again, we're, uh, we, nah, we got no excuse. I was going to say, you know what, we're busy, but we, we, everyone's busy. So we have no excuse. Uh, there were some hot topics throughout the week, but just, uh, it just didn't transpire and we apologize, but Hey, we're not that off. We're only three or four days late. So no big deal. Uh, we're back at it tonight. And we've got we've got some serious hot topics. There's there's a situation brewing in Major League Baseball that is it's like wildfire, and some of the reactions are pretty pretty uh, pretty wild stuff. So Brock and I are going to cover some of that. Yep. Um, do we want to take a quick break before we do that? Let's do that. Quick break. We'll okay. be right back. What they did was bull. Um, you know, they took a lot of uh, opportunities away from people and, uh, you know, possibly ruin people's careers. I feel like every single guy over there needs a beating. Everything's been handled the wrong way. You've got two guys that are sitting at home that you can kind of, you know, give them a little bit of leeway. Um, and they're not, they're not in the game right now. And then you've got uh, the players who did it who are, are scot-free. You know, they're going to be able to go out there and compete with no ramifications at all, which is wrong. And I think the commissioner completely handled it the wrong way. The way he handled the situation, he should be embarrassed of himself. Pierre, the Houston Astros cheating scandal of 2017. What are your thoughts on this? This is crazy. My thoughts are, are have changed a lot in the last couple of weeks. When this first got reported... Maybe I took it for granted. I just maybe I thought it would just sort of blow over. Uh, I didn't realize the extent the Astros were actually cheating. You know, by you know, there's some accusations of them wearing buzzers, which were apparently unfounded, but primarily using a garbage can to signal the type of pitch to expect as a batter. And for our listeners who may not be really aware of, of what sign stealing actually is. 
You know, you've got a pitcher who's got who may, might showcase three or four different kinds of pitches. Usually, one's fast, one's slow, one's a curve. So, as a batter, you're having to adjust your timing based on the type of pitch that you have to see. So, you know, a curveball can get tricky, especially with a lot of movement. It's a lot different than when a fastball is coming at you. Your timing's much different as a batter. So, what the Houston Astros are being accused of is uh, getting these pitches tipped as their batters. So, uh, whether it be banging on a garbage can twice which would indicate a fastball that sets up the batter's timing to be completely different so uh completely destroying the integrity of the game the extent that the players are going to to express their displeasure with the punishment that was handed down for me is unprecedented i've never seen this in pro sports certainly in the modern era of pro sports i've never seen this level of a protest, I guess, from the players. And you just played a quote, uh, uh, a bit from Nick Markakis, who's an outfielder for the Atlanta Braves. Right. I think we have maybe the best player in Major League Baseball actually chiming in as well, uh, Mike Trout. We do. do we have that? Yeah. We're on out. If you know what's coming, it's going to definitely help you. I think I think that's, you know, it's tough. You're taking the trophy away, taking, taking the rings away. Um, I think they should definitely do something. Um, I don't, I don't know what, but to just to cheat like that and not get anything, it's it's uh, it's sad to see for sure. I didn't notice the bang. I heard I, I noticed the banging off the bat uh, in, <laughs> in, in center field. It just seemed like they weren't missing they weren't missing pitches, and it was just it, it's frustrating because you you got guys in here battling, coming to the ballpark every day, working on stuff, and they make a nasty pitch down in the way. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you when this happened, but I'm sure it did. Um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine what the pitchers feel like, you know, knowing going in there and, you know, have, you never know what it, you know, this is a mental game. You, 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 go, you go on a stretch where you're doing good and you go, if you went to Houston and got banged up, it's, it could mentally drain you. you know, it's- uh, he brings up valid points. Nothing in terms of the punishment is severe enough for, you know, what – the Astros are accused of doing. I guess there's a lack of proof, maybe. Maybe that's the only reason that's saving them. But, I, you know, baseball is notorious for taking policing matters, I guess, in their own hands. When you have a pitcher who has essentially a weapon by throwing a ball that, that, that fast – they are known to throw at players if there is if they've been slighted or wronged in any sort of sense. So Dusty Baker, the new coach for the Houston Astros, has come out and basically you know lobbied for player safety for his Houston Astros because the feeling is that they're going to get hit often this season. Is that something you you see and predict happening? And is it something that they really should be worried about? Yes. Of course, yes, I I totally see that happening. I see it happening within the first couple of weeks. You know, uh, the MLB has expanded team rosters to 26. You're going to see teams, when they have the Houston Astros on their schedule, drop down a position player, send them to the minors, a a player with options, and call up another another pitcher. Um, You know, they're going to start relievers with the idea that they're going to, those relievers are going to hit Astros batters and then get ejected and then they'll put in their starter. We're going to see some really creative stuff. I think when teams play the Astros and not creative in a good way. So how 
Rob Manfred punishes the pitchers is really going to be indicative of where his allegiances lay because right now he fined the Houston Astros $5 million. I think it might be a little bit more, but that's, that's the number that I heard, which is peanuts for a, a, an owner who owns a major league baseball team. Right. He also took away some draft picks. The Houston Astros are loaded. Draft picks mean nothing to them. They're loaded from top to bottom. They're done drafting. They rebuilt their team. They were one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball in only five, six years ago, and they drafted well, right? Even then, if you're a team that just won the World Series, you take a couple of draft picks. Would you tra- If you were the Blue Jays and you said, you know what, we'll trade a couple of draft picks next year if we win the World Series this year, sign me up. Give me the World Championship right now. And then take my, my picks next year, and then we'll, we'll work on rebuilding again. But I want it. I want the championship. Picks mean nothing. So again, you know, and Houston's already loaded. So like you said, that's that's not these are not penalties. These are not punishments no. for the severity of it. Now, we've had uh, players in front of Supreme Courts for defending themselves on whether or not they took performance enhancing drugs. We have a guy who was uh, guilty of, I guess, betting on baseball games one of the best players to ever play the game and still not in the Hall of Fame for these kind of things. Where does this stack up in terms of those scandals? If you ask me, this is this is much worse. That's what I'm doing, Pierre. That's why we're having this conversation. I'm asking you. This is much worse, man. Agreed. This is much, much worse. We're looking at guys, individuals who took steroids so they can improve their own individual play and stats. This was a team-coordinated scam essentially how to figure out pitchers and their pitches and you know what we haven't heard the last of this some of these guys they've ruined some careers with this uh blue jays pitcher mike bolsinger his last appearance in major league baseball was against the houston astros he came in he actually he was starting that game and he got shelled i think he lasted an inning and and a third and the astros put up six runs on him well, now he's suing the Houston Astros for $30 million for basically ending his career uh, because they may, it was in 2017, so they may have been tipped on what kind of pitch he was going to throw to them. And Bolsinger wasn't an ace by any means, but he was having a pretty good season as a journeyman for the Jays as their fourth or fifth starter. And his career was over. They sent him down to the minors. He never came back. And like you said about his pitching style. He wasn't an uh, a Chapman who was going to throw 106 miles an hour. He was a guy that relied on deception and a variety of movements on his pitches to keep batters guessing. And if you remove that from him, what's he got? Nothing. He's got a ball that will get smoked. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah. I think he's got a case. And- you know, I, I don't know how he's going to prove it. And I, and I really, from a, a jury standpoint or a judge standpoint, it's going to be... Hard to, uh, I guess, substantiate his claims. Yeah. But from a competitive standpoint, a competitor standpoint, like I think his justification and the rationale there is is very realistic. It's whether or not it can be proved in in a court of law. But um, I feel for him, and that's just one guy. How many and that's other just guys? One journeyman. Exactly. I don't know. It's it's ugly. I think it's going to get worse. Uh, the more the Houston Astros talk and try and defend their actions and give justifications for certain things, like when Altuve hit that home run off of Chapman and uh, for the the walk off, and then refuses uh, tells his teammates not to rip his shirt off, and then runs directly into the dugout, and then changes his shirt and comes back out, 
you know, and the the Correa, um, Correa, uh, what's his name? Carlos Correa was saying that yeah. it, was, it was because of a an ugly tattoo or a tattoo that was half finished or whatever they didn't want to didn't want shown. One, I one hundred percent believe that if there was a shitty tattoo, if I had a shitty tattoo on my chest, and I got some tattoos, I'm not happy about. But I hit a walk off against the Yankees. The last thing on my mind rounding that plate is, oh, I better not have my shirt ripped off so nobody sees this tattoo. You know what I mean? Like there is there is zero percent chance that that's what I'm thinking about. A walk off to send him to the World Series, right? No less. So it's just it's utter bullshit. The stuff yep. that comes out of this Houston Astros mouths right now, and even if they weren't or we didn't have proof to to um, to prove they're cheating, the responses they're giving just makes them sound more and more guilty. But their owner came out and said, you know, what we did was wrong, but it didn't affect the game. And then a, a reporter two questions later said, what do you mean it didn't affect the game? And then the owner replied, uh, I didn't say it didn't affect the game. It was the weirdest 30 seconds of interview I've seen in a long, long time. I think the owners clearly run, run the ship in major league baseball because I've yet to hear from one apart from the Houston Astros owner who was on trial essentially, but none of them are making any sense. They're, they're covering up what I think or what I believe to be a couple of years of cheating, not just 2017, which was, which is what they were investigated for. But, you know, Jose Altuve uh, said in the media that, uh, they were investigated for 2018 and 2019 and nothing was found. Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers believes uh, that is not the case, thinks they've been cheating this whole time. And boy, if they got away with it in 2017, you got to think. Yeah. You got to think 2018 and 2019, there was something going on. So um, LeBron James came out with a quote. Um, basically saying, I tweeted, uh, listen, I know I don't play baseball, but I am in sports. And I know if someone cheated me out of winning a title and I found out about it, I would be fucking irate. I mean, like uncontrollable about it. That's LeBron James talking about that, who doesn't even play baseball. Uh, Mike Trout would be, for me, is probably the, the LeBron James of baseball. Um you know that says that speaks volumes on on how athletes are perceiving this. Like you know, you know, we talked about it a few times, but it's the integrity of the competition within sport that makes sports so beautiful. And it doesn't matter if it's at the major league baseball level, if it's at the beer league, Woody's game, and the team B is cheating and they're dominating, and they find out that they've been cheating the whole time however that may be, it's going to damper things and it's going to sour everybody. That's just not what it's meant to do. That's not what sport is meant to do. Now, that being said, with technology these days and the ability to pull off cheating moves like this, how do you police this moving forward? Or do you make, you know, do we have to be more lenient in terms of what is cheating and just let everybody do it? I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you police this moving forward? Mm. Well, I think, like you mentioned, sports like baseball and hockey sort of police themselves. I think you'll see teams take better precautions in, in their signs, uh, making sure that they're not um, they're not easily uh, replicated. So, you know, 
they'll make things a little bit more complicated for their opposing team to try and study. I think that's really the extent of what you'll see. I don't think you'll see a whole ton more policing. This is one team with a group of players who thought they can get away with it. I don't think you're going to see much more of this in Major League Baseball. And based on the players' uh, response, they all hate They all hate it. So how could you? How could we see more of this? Guys like Bo Bichette, who've only been in the majors for half a season, have come out and said, "I there's, this is bullshit. I, I will never take part in this. So, you know, Major League Baseball has clearly 95% of their players uh on board with not cheating so i don't see anything more coming of this in terms of other teams doing it or having to you know expand the security or whatever whatever it may be i I just don't see it happening what about year pieces like the coach to the quarterback in the nfl you know what i mean where you're calling those plays and what if it was something now i know the catcher can't speak and have the batter not here but i do know that there's a lot of in certain situations especially in playoffs um, you'll see signs relayed from the coach to the catcher for certain guys. Uh, you know, yeah. They may not be uh, identifying the specific pitch, but maybe you remove some of that from the catcher and you just have a guy in the coach that's relaying what pitch they want and the catcher and pitcher both hear it. And then it's like, okay, yeah. and the pitcher doesn't want it, he shakes it off and the guy will give him another one and then, and then go with it. But it's coming from the dugout and it's just into an earpiece. So there is no hand signs. There's no anything. Or those other signs would just be for infielders to uh, adjust accordingly, but the actual pitch wouldn't be covered. Anyway. Hey, I like it. We're getting, I like it. It's technology. You can get technology into uh, old school games like baseball too. But uh, I, I like it. The, the, the end game for me should be the Houston Astros should be stripped of their title and there should be a big asterisk. Uh, beside their name, 2017 should have no champion that year. Uh, I wouldn't give it to the team they played because they didn't win it either, but I would remove, take away, and put a big asterisk beside the Houston Astros team, just like there's an asterisk beside Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, who all have yet to make the Hall of Fame. I, I would pull that in together, you know? Yeah, let's not forget Pete Rose. I really think he's getting a raw deal all all things considered, but guys get Pete Rose in the hall of fame for crying out loud. He's the all time hits leader for, I mean, what like, geez, you know, and he didn't have a buzzer on his chest. All right. No, we're going to go to a break and come back. We're going to discuss the NBA all-star game. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, moving on from cheaters to sleepers, maybe the NBA All-Stars. All-Star game. Yeah, we're uh, not overly exciting. You watched it? I watched I watched the whole weekend, really. I didn't watch the dunk or the skills challenge or the three-point contest live, but I ended up watching it the next day. Moderately entertaining. I much of the same. The dunk contest was kind of cool, I thought, but uh, I didn't. There's not enough big name star power in the dunk contest for me to to for it to attract my interest. But you know, Aaron Gordon's a good dunker, and uh, that Derek Jones kid was a good dunker. The skills competition is a hot mess. The uh, guys have to dribble through you know, like around these obstacles, then they have to pass the ball through a tire. And then they run down, do a layup, and then they run back and have to hit a three. The part when they're running back to hit a three, they they pick up the ball and they take about five steps before they actually get to the spot. So they're traveling, which is not a skill. <laughs> or it might be a skill if you're James Harden. But it's it's really, uh, it's really they just need to polish it up. 
it was kind of cool. Pascal Siakam was in it, and he was uh, he took yeah. on uh, Bam Adebayo, who was uh, plays for the Miami Heat. It was kind of cool to watch, but uh, that that skills competition just needs to be refined. It's a good idea. Three point contest is always kind of cool. It came down to the wire. Actually, the guy had to hit like all the buckets in the last rack, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, could have had some drama and whatever, and yeah, you know what I miss? I miss the old school one where all the guys were on the side and they had like the the camcorders. They all had their own camcorder, Garnett, yes. Shaq, and all those old school things. And um, you know, I miss uh, I miss those old school old, old days. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't. I watched a little bit. I watched uh, Pascal compete um, when he missed a three. You know, to be eliminated. I kind of moved on i didn't really care who won after that didn't really watch a lot of the dunk competition either um what it was just i don't know it didn't there's nothing there to draw me in really from uh you know would i rather watch that or would i rather watch you know an hbo show or something we're watching before it it doesn't have enough draw for me to uh to tune in and there were some hockey games on too that saturday night which were pretty decent um the format of the all-star game itself had, you know, a lot of different quirks that um, did make it semi-interesting to see how it would turn out. So, um, as you know, they had the four quarters. You know, each quarter started 0-0, you know, which was something different. I had never seen that. I don't think they had done that before, have they? That's new. Yeah. And then the, the, the final fourth quarter, um, you know, basically there's no clock after the fourth quarter. They'll turn the clock off, and then they'll basically take the leading team's cumulative score up to then. So after three quarters, whatever the leading team scores, let's say they got 100 points, they added 24 to that total and said that it, now it's a race to 124. So the leading team has 24 points to get. The team that's trailing is 24 plus whatever they're down and see who gets there. In the All-Star game, this was yeah done because in honor of Kobe Bryant in terms of the number. But that format, whether it's 24, whether it's more or less, what are your thoughts on that in terms of the NBA play? Because the NBA is known for like the longest three minutes in sports. I think if you're in a close game and you're consistently fouling to try and get the guy to the line and save time and all that kind of stuff. Well, for, well there's two perspectives. One, we'll never see that in an actual NBA game. So I think the purpose of the, uh, the quarter starting at zero uh, was to determine, I, actually, I don't really know what the purpose was other than to identify this last quarter without a clock playing to it, playing up to a certain score versus playing for 12 minutes. Well, the, uh, in the all-star game, there's a, the, why the winning each quarter is important is because the winner of each of the first three quarters will receive a hundred thousand dollars a total of three hundred grand for a Chicago-based community organization. The overall winning team will earn two hundred thousand dollars. So it's it's it was for different charities. charities. It's kind of how they broke that down. Um, so, but I mean, they could have the they could have easily calculated that with the regular clock anyway. They just it's a gimmick. It's you know whether you could have had a twelve-minute quarter and the winner of the, each quarter. It's pretty easy to calculate. Well, so it was still it's, a, it's a gimmicky quarter. thing. It just they didn't have to start at zero zero. You could have done simple math. But right. Maybe the simple math isn't for that audience. Who knows? Anyway, um, I, maybe. I, I, look, I it, it was it kept it kept me intrigued moderately for the fourth quarter. But the first three quarters was exactly what the All Star Game has always been, which is 
kind of a one-on-one showcase of your own talent, guys who are not used to playing with other guys and not much chemistry, uh, throwing passes that they, they would not normally throw and making shots they wouldn't normally take. Uh, you know, I don't know. I like a little defense. If you watch the All-Star games in the early 90s and late 80s, it was literally like looking like a, you're watching a regular basketball game with the best players in the world. <sighs> the last quarter was cool. Well, why uh, you say we'll never see that in an NBA regular season game? How come? You didn't like it or you don't think it's it's a, a viable option for the NBA to adopt something similar where it's, hey, let's just have a race to it as opposed to dragging it out. Um, having the clock be a weapon is basically out at that point. If you're talking about playing up to a certain score in the last quarter, it's it's a neat idea. I just don't see it ever happening. I just think I think the game's fine the way it is. You know, four 12-minute quarters, it's it's short. It's easy to watch an NBA game. It's not eight hours. It's like two hours to watch, to to mess around with that. You know, it, it is taking a little bit away from the integrity of the game when you're talking about regular season. But, you know, for an all-star game or something gimmicky, uh, you know, nothing wrong with it. Um, it served its purpose for, the, for an all-star game. I just don't see it being something that the NBA will ever adopt because they don't have to. The game's fine the way it is. All right. I guess I'm sort of in the, I guess, open-mindedness now with the XFL and different rule changes and, um, you know, just some way of keeping sports on its toes and improving, I guess. I'm, whatever. I guess improving is not the, the right term because that's debatable. But, um, you know, just changing some things to make it work a little bit better. I don't know. If you have guys, like teams that are on real hot streaks – um, you know, the NBA game is all about streaks. Who's on the most streaks and when they're on mm-hmm. it. If you get a, a team that's just super hot at the end and it's literally saved by the bell, you know, it would be interesting to see, like, what, can this other team actually stop this run of whatever it happens to be to come back from a, a significant deficit and get to that point? Having a game finish on a basket all the time is kind of interesting. But then I also get it, you know, from a football standpoint, if you're like, okay, we're going to the fourth quarter and now it's a 17-point uh, race. So the next team that gets two touchdowns and a field goal wins the game. If you're leading and the other team has to come back, then um, I don't know. It, it, yeah, maybe it changes it a little bit. But I, I, anyway, I, just, I thought it was interesting. Just, and it kept me – it actually want, made me want to watch the fourth quarter of that game. Um, otherwise, I probably wouldn't have. I mean, the NBA game, you're, if you're down 10 with uh, a minute and a half to go, it's it's doable still. In the NFL, if you're down 10 with a minute and a half to go and you don't have all your timeouts, you might as well just pack up and go. So uh, there, uh, I just don't see the NBA having to really tinker with the game. It's, pretty, it's already pretty good. There's, a lot of, there's too many timeouts. They have addressed that sort of kind of. I think they still need to do some more tweaking, but they have removed some timeouts in the NBA. So you don't see as many, there aren't that many stoppages in play after I think it's three minutes or two minutes. So they've, they're addressing it. I think the biggest issue in, in basketball, actually in pro sports, but in basketball specifically is, is tanking. So they're trying to address tanking by opening up some playoff spots, uh, having a end of the, or sorry, a mid season play in tournament where if you're right, currently dead last at the midway point of the season and you win this, tournament you get yourself like a wild card buy into the playoffs i mean that's cool 
I like that a lot. If I'm all for more teams earning a spot in the playoffs, uh, but they're trying to eliminate the tank. I mean, you know, you're tanking for, for players, you know, look at the NHL right now. It's, it's a, it's a tank who, who can get Alexi Lafreniere right now. The, the Habs are on the, are about to trade everybody. The Sens are tanking. They have no business. They don't want to win, you know? So that's a problem in sports. And I think the NBA that's their biggest issue is like, how do we address the tanking? So I think in the next, maybe not next year, but the year after, maybe next year, there's talk about next year. You'll see a play-in tournament during the All-Star weekend versus an All-Star game. Although this one was pretty good. It's brought, it's brought some life back into the All-Star weekend, but I could see a play-in tournament next year where every team is in it and the winner of the whole tournament um, gets a playoff by or a playoff spot. So if you're last place, you know, you're going to earn a spot in the playoffs anyway. Kind of cool. That'd be interesting. You know what I mean? It's, uh, again, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of all for it. I like to see them test different options and, and see kind of what works because I think, you know, they've been around for a while, but the, the level of athlete, the level of money that's involved, the level of um, support from fans, all that kind of stuff has changed a lot that I think yeah. games need to cater a little bit to that and, and, um, adjust accordingly. So I'm, I, hey, I'm all for it. I'd definitely tune in uh, and watch that uh, very closely. Sure. All right. I think that uh, basically wraps up hopefully one of our shortest episodes ever. I'd like to shout out your new visor. Pep is wearing the new Toronto Blue Jays spring training visor, the new logo with the, the maple leaf with the Blue Jay embedded in it, and it is fire. Yeah. Woo. This is sweet. We're going to go out to uh, song Entourage. Best soundtracks. And this is uh, from one of the first seasons. And anyway, synonymous with Entourage. We'll be back to you real soon with some Blue Jays and some Raptor talk. And thanks for your patience. I know we were off for last week, but we'll, we'll get back at her. You betcha. No beef from Spitty's bars, no beef from down bottom. Now I switch my cars, got a house down bottom. If you wanna come and cop them bricks, you know if town got them. Tell your man be easy, my, he don't want no problem. I'm about my money, man, I got that country slang. Look at the way she shook that thing, but you plotting on my back. But we don't play them type of games around here. Keep the trade bound somewhere around here. Please don't let the show be loose around here.